Welcome to episode three, season two of the Search with Candor podcast recorded on Wednesday, the 26th of January, 2022. My name is Mark Williams-Cook. Today, I am joined by my co-host, Jack Chambers. Hello, that's me. And we'll be discussing, well, all sorts actually today, Content King bringing in log file analysis, um, amongst a whole other bunch of stuff. Jack's been looking at some interesting DMCA requests and the trouble they're causing people in Google a new robots tag that Google is now supporting, real-time reporting in GA4, and a new experiments page in Google Ads. So absolutely loads to get through. I hope you enjoy the show. Search for Canada is supported by Systrix, the SEO's toolbox. Go to systrix.com SWC if you want to check out some of their excellent free tools such as being able to check your visibility index, Google Update Impact, Keyword Research, and PageSpeed Checker. You can also register for a free trial of their paid services, which include website auditing, content optimization, and over 13 years of trends and search and result page data. That's Systrix, S-I-S-T-R-I-X dot com slash S-W-C. This week, we're going to kick off talking about Content King. So for those who maybe haven't heard of it, Content King is a software as a service that essentially monitors your site pretty much in real time for SEO stuff. Uh, It's been a tool that I've used for a couple of years now, and I've been a a growing fan of it. Their, Their kind of thing is prevention is better than cure which i agree with and i think clients do because prevention is normally cheaper than cure yeah i hadn't encountered it until i came and worked for you funnily enough mark and you kind of talked about how useful it is especially when you're looking at you know we here an agency i'm handling multiple accounts across multiple sites i'm not necessarily checking in on the content we just published every single day or whatever it is you can see whether people are changing page titles or links have been broken and it will flash up a little alert in your email inbox and it's really handy to just be like oh hey client did you change this thing on purpose is something broken what's going on really useful for that kind of stuff i found yeah especially for the larger teams where you get people going rogue and changing things and (laughs) yeah going off piece they've got a slack integration as well which is pretty cool but last week they launched as part of their platform log file analysis and this is for their pro and enterprise tiers so content king have actually done a lot of new things recently i think trying to push people up to those more expensive tiers so they've got uh they brought in javascript support as well a few months ago so now you can have the html crawls of your website and you can have like a chrome rendered version That's particularly helpful um, and that's actually saved me before with a client we had that was doing dynamic rendering. So that essentially means there's one version of the site for Google and users get delivered another site, which is great because it got them around all kinds of uh, tech issues. Where it isn't so great is that if the Google version breaks, nobody notices <laughs> because none of their team none of their staff are changing their user agent and looking what happens when google is looking at the site so um what actually happened in this case is 
their entire um, site for Google and all search engines was just blank <laughs> across like 100,000 pages. Wow. And yeah, Content King helpfully sent me an email being like, by the way, so <laughs> everything's gone. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but basically we could fix that then before catastrophe happened. I mean, I was emailing, I was literally texting them as well, being like, this is really important. I know when you look at the site, everything looks fine. But this is really important. They've, they've got Index Now support as well. They've just added in Content King, which is for pro and enterprise. You get the idea. We touched on that recently as well about Index Now. Exactly. There's loads of great new features, but they want you to kind of upgrade. But log file analysis is something that they added very recently. So they will do log file analysis for Google Desktop and Mobile and Bing Desktop and Mobile. Currently, you can feed your logs into Content King using a Cloudflare worker. And... There's a guide on their site how to do that. It's actually very simple kind of click process. You're not having to do any programming or anything yourself. Very, very straightforward to do. And once this is all hooked up, you will then get stats from your site about when these bots last visited, uh, their visit frequency. And you can do this down, as you'd expect, of course, to a page level. And that's really then very interesting to see how often Bing and Google are visiting specific pages because it allows you to test the theories you have on crawling. Because if you do just run your site bulb or your screaming frog crawl of a site and you think, okay, well, the way this is set up might be an infinite loop or it might be a spider trap. That's not necessarily how search engine bots are engaging with your site because there's a whole load of infrastructure that tries to make them smart. For instance, if Google finds it's taking down your site because it, you know, the it's it's crawler, you know, you've got a bad site if this happens, I'll be honest, but it does happen. You know, if your site's falling over because it's getting crawled, Google will actually slow down how often it's crawling your site. So what I'm saying is the crawls that you run with tools like on your desktop are not reflective of exactly how search engines might crawl your site. So if you have identified or you have a theory that, okay, we may have a crawling issue because of this. The next step is you can use log file analysis to confirm this and say, well, actually, yes, look, these pages, they're not getting crawled or they're only getting crawled once every few months. So you've, you've got an issue there. So that's a brilliant new feature on Content King. If you haven't tried it out, you can go to trycontentking.com. That sounds like their URL, doesn't it? But it's actually my affiliate link. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I think they're actually where I was like Content King app. It think, is, or yeah, contentking.app. Yeah. But you can use try if you like. That's my affiliate link. And then they'll know <laughs> I sent you there. But get, do give it a try. It's a brilliant bit of kit. Um, and it has um, definitely saved our clients more money than it's cost many times over. So the next one we want to talk about is a DMCA. And for those of you who don't know, a DMCA is the... Digital Millennium Copyright Act, basically copyright stuff that happens on the internet. And Google is kind of obliged to review and report things when people submit a notice to them. So if you have a site that is stealing from other people and stealing your content and stealing copyrighted content from you, you can report this to Google to get them delisted, essentially. And you touched on this in a previous episode, right, Mark? I believe I didn't put it in the notes. It was episode 47, but we'll put a link search.withcanda.co.uk to that. Um, and that was actually about the 
DMCA tool that they released in Search Console. So there is actually a URL you can go to if someone is stealing your content to report them. And it kind of came to our attention around this time last week, just after we'd finished recording the episode, funnily enough. This all kind of kicked off on the 19th of January, but brought to attention by a Twitter profile called Fantasy Book Critic, which is a basically a fantasy and sci-fi book review site, which I've used myself plenty of times as a big reader of science fiction and fantasy stuff. They basically were hosted on the Google blog side of things, and they tweeted saying, hey, we've been taken down, and I'll go through the tweets for you here, dear listeners, and uh, kind of go through their journey, and we'll see if it came out with a happy ending. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> so, opening with the tweet, this is a full thread, so I'll run through a few different tweets for you. Hi, Google Blogger team. This is a sincere long shot, but I really hope that someone on your side is reading this. We're an independent and totally free fantasy and sci-fi book review site that's been operating since 2007. Over the last 15 plus years, we've had 3,600 plus posts that have featured over 1,000 plus book reviews, 170 plus author interviews, 100 plus author guest posts, and a lot more book-related content. Lots of content. Lots of content. Lots and lots of content. Thousands of pages, hundreds of interviews. It's not a site that's just come out of nowhere. Like I said, I've been using it for a while now. I read a lot of their reviews and stuff on there. Back to the tweets. We have reviewed books from traditional publishers from both sides of the Atlantic, independent publishing, and self-published authors. We do this for free and never charge any money. We don't even have any affiliate links on our site and do this purely based on our passions for genre books and helping authors. I'm mentioning all of this because hopefully it'll mean things clear as as to why we need your help. And there's a lovely little uh, Puss in Boots, please, pleading gift there. Because they received over 51 DMCA infringement notice emails from Linkbusters. And Linkbusters, for those of you who don't know, are... Absolute bastards. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Kind of renowned for doing this sort of thing. Pretty infamous in this space. I know a lot of uh, people have had issues with this happening through like video content and stuff. The YouTube DMCA takedown notice thing is infamous among YouTubers. Yeah, Linkbusters are kind of one of these companies that is going around basically on behalf of their clients and reviewing potentially copyrighted information. They flagged all of these book reviews as copyrighted information because they basically had publisher-given book covers and title tags and all this kind of stuff with the full name of the thing written by the author and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, Linkbusters came after Fantasy Book Critic. I'm just trying to imagine reviewing a book without saying the title. Or you, using the book cover or you, mentioning the author. or It's almost like a game. You have to guess <laughs> which book it is. It sounds like one of those. Well, I've, I've played a few word games like Poetry from the Anderthals and stuff like that where you're trying to like make sure you don't say certain things and then you're panicking. Like, right, you need to describe the book, but you can't say the title, any of the words in the title or the author or the genre. You're like, oh my God. You have to frantically try and... There's definitely a DMCA board game in here <laughs> somewhere. Copyright Canada 2022. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so on behalf of their two publishers, so it's Penguin, of course, and HarperCollins, who both work with Linkbusters, basically working on behalf of them and chasing up all of their legal stuff. Like many service providers, they use the algorithm that identifies dangerous links and then they send a DMCA infringement notice. You can check the attached pic, and again, links in the show notes, search.withcanda.co.uk. You can see the full thread of tweets there and the many, many DMCA complaint notices they received, basically trying to flag piracy stuff, but this poor review site got caught up in it all, and they basically say, 
we're just a book review site. Leave us alone. This is not fair. We don't even do affiliate links. We're not trying to make money out of this. This is a totally innocent and like altruistic thing, essentially. And yeah, because they received so many of those, the Google blog took them down and they were completely off the web for like a few days. And thankfully, thankfully, they kicked up enough enough noise basically on Twitter and how Mark and I saw it on Twitter as well, that as of, I believe it's a couple of days ago, they are back online and everything is mostly back to normal. I think they're still fighting through a few bits and pieces, but yeah, thank God they're back online and uh, not being crushed by the legal system, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because as as when we covered the DMCA tool, Google says they are legally obliged to quote unquote review yeah. the reports. Whatever that means. Yeah. And there's obviously, like with so many of these things, automated systems where if you hit a threshold, the kind of safety, playing it safe means take it offline and then sort it out, then, then review it. Yeah, they almost always as on the side of caution of this is probably a copyright infringement. Let's take it down. Like it, it tends to go on that side of things rather than playing it safe from the the other creator's perspective. And like I said, this has been a big thing on YouTube over the last few years of people being copyrighted for their own stuff because their like parent company has flagged it through one of their channels or people using like licensed music at the end of a outro of their episode of their podcast on YouTube or something like that. You will get taken down by one of these legal representatives of one of those publishing companies. Even outside of these companies that are these, you know, representatives, I've seen people receive emails that are blackmailing them that if they don't link to websites that they will file these mass... Oh, the, the Dominic Cummings approach. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to explain that for people outside the UK? <laughs> um, so I've always his official title, aid to the Prime Minister. I know you did Advisor, touch on this in the episode, yeah. on a previous episode somewhere. He goes through very aggressive link building strategies, basically. He's a former advisor to the Prime Minister and was essentially disgraced and came out and did this huge expose on the British government, which hasn't changed anything for the record, but, you know, whatever. He was a key part in Brexit and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure even you guys outside of the UK know vaguely what Brexit is. He was a key part of that and it going through and the, the powers that be and all that kind of stuff. The man pulling the strings behind the Prime Minister, essentially. Whenever people interview him or quote him in stuff, he will very angrily tweet, usually with plenty of swear words in there as well, saying, Oi, link to my blog, or I'll take you down, basically. Or send you an invoice. <laughs> I'll send you an yeah. invoice. Yeah, it send you yeah. an invoice, yeah. So he's like link building from like 2001, <laughs> 2022. If he comes on, Dominic, if you're listening, if you come on Hard Times, we always need new people to do outreach <laughs> and link reclamation and... <laughs> I feel you've got the oomph that we need. <laughs> anyway, I've totally lost track here. Yes, blackmailing. So I have seen website owners uh, receive emails basically threatening them that unless they link, and they don't want money, they literally just want their website to link to whatever website, um, that if not, they will file these uh, mass DMCA requests. And you know that will trigger these automated systems. If that happens, they're actually isn't much you can do about it apart from like fancy book critic did you know get in contact with someone on the team make some noise if you are a big site if you receive one of those emails i mean my advice would be to send it to google 
and send it to the DMCA team. So if anything, you know, you've got a chance of them getting ahead of the game and not actioning those reports and hopefully doing something against the site that's because they're then breaking obviously the webmaster link scheme thing and that, you know, is definitely worth a ban in my mm. opinion. Yeah, if you're definitely. Blackmailing links out of people. But yeah, I thought it was a really interesting story. Just it's because this is like a direct way to get people out of search results. And there aren't many of them. I would note for those in the UK, um, probably the US, knowingly filing false DMCA requests is illegal. So if you have people doing it in the UK and you know who it is, like it, you know, there's a recourse you could take there. But obviously, if someone abroad is doing it, you know, there's, ve there's very low chances you're actually going to be able to take any kind of action, which is why I said, you know, I'd get in contact with Google myself as soon as you can. I'm just glad this had a happy ending. And thank God that Fancy Book Critic is still, still up, is back up and running once again. And I'm sure this will come up again and again. This is becoming more and more common as algorithms are getting supposedly more sophisticated and then actually running up against kind of robot errors compared to human errors and stuff like that. I think this will probably come up in a future episode at some point with something similar. And uh, yeah, DMCA notices have not gone away, that's for sure. So it's January, and I already know what's going to come up in conversation next Christmas at the family table. It's that Google is supporting a new <laughs> robots tag. The whole SEO family around the table cutting the SEO turkey. Yeah, they hate it. This is why I started. <laughs> this is why I started my own SEO meetup because because of how Christmas dinners went. So it is kind of it's kind of exciting slash interesting slash actually not that big a news, but very useful in very specific circumstances, which is you know it's just some decent SEO knowledge to be honest. So Google is now supporting a very quaintly named. Index if embedded. Or one word. Or one word. And this is a robots tag that solves an issue primarily with media publishers when they want their content indexed on third-party sites when it's embedded, but not necessarily on their own site when they host it. Yeah, and that could apply to someone like us because we have a podcast and you can take our embedded player. If you go to the show notes, you can see the anchor embedded player at the top of the page there and if somebody takes that player and it embeds it on their website you could use an index if embedded tag and, and get it indexed that way exactly so the solution up until now up until we had this tag and it, it wasn't a perfect solution was essentially you just you didn't want it indexed on your own site you would have to just use the no index tag the downside of this is that that content also will not be indexed when it is embedded on other sites because the no index tag comes along in the suitcase with it. The usage of this index if embedded tag is actually with the no index tag. So if you had some uh, a page that you wanted not to have it indexed on your site, as usual, you would put this no in the normal no index tag on the page. And then if you would like it indexed on the third party site, you put a second tag, which says index if embedded. So this is actually similar to how robots.txt rules can work. If you disallow, for instance, a section of your site, you can kind of poke a hole in that 
by then having a more specific allow rule. So you could disallow a whole directory, but then allow a single page to be crawled within that directory. So it's a little bit confusing when you first kind of hear about it. Maybe if you haven't worked with that kind of media when you would use it, but essentially it is allowing your content to be indexed on other sites when it's embedded and saves you the issue then of having that content indexed, especially if you if, if it's that kind of content, normally you'll have a large library of it. So maybe hundreds, thousands or tens of thousands of pages that you don't really want indexed on your own site. So obviously a specific issue that Google has come across because it is kind of rare for Google to make new tags and support new things. They don't do it lightly. You were, you were half joking about the Christmas celebrations, but Half it, it, it does feel like a fairly big deal when Google makes this. And I saw, you know, a few memes going around on Twitter of all the SEO like tools scrambling around trying to find out all the all they can about the new tag and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to play it down. It will definitely come out after a few drinks. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing to note to note is at the moment it is only supported by Google. I'm sure some other search engines being... they'll, they'll follow along eventually. <laughs> might pick it up as well yeah but at the moment it's just supported by google but really really useful if you are in that situation that you've got that in your in your kind of toolbox to deploy we're at the midpoint in the show so let's talk about our sponsor systrix and as we've touched on index watch biggest winners and biggest losers of the uk edition systrix have provided us this week with the us edition of the winners and of course the uk edition was written by loose rawlings as i touched upon one of their new data journalists, and the US edition tackled by the one and only Lily Ray. I'm very, very intrigued to dive into this. And straight away, we see some similarities, right? I think we can pretty quickly identify dictionaries. Once again, reference sites and things like that are... Stock photography again. Stock photography up. again. Yeah, exactly. Similar kind of trends across the UK and the US. But there are a few other things in here and... Of course, it's Lily Ray, so we're going to talk about some some EAT, some expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness, right? I think this is, to be honest, why Lily's the perfect person to to write this 100 percent on yeah. the Index Watch. So we had uh, Lily on the show, I believe, as episode eighty nine. Yeah, check it out; it's eighty nine, and we talked, of course, a little bit about EAT. But Lily was kind enough as well to completely go off on a tangent with me and crystal ball gaze about future <laughs> search technology, which is great because not many people dare do that because it's easy to then, you know, Captain Hindsight, go back and see where you were wrong. Everything we talked about actually does seem to still be heading that direction. The, the changes I found interesting are that, you know, we are seeing this, the reflection of what's happening in the UK, which is what I would class as these bigger, more authoritative sites, for better or worse, mm. starting to to eat away more market share. I mean, I noticed you saw, you know, we, we have Walmart on there, right? Yeah, so Walmart is the is the single biggest gain. So right at the bottom of the index watch, we have top gainers, top winners, absolute and percentage, and Walmart.com, which I'm sure even people who aren't in the US, like like us, you've probably heard of Walmart. It's one of the biggest companies in the US. So yeah, you even get and, and Merriam-Webster. Like we said, we touched on a few different dictionaries last time as well, including Merriam-Webster. Then you're going through sort of Best Buy and Target, and then more things you kind of expect like Instagram, IMDb, Collins Dictionary in there as well. A lot of the kind of kind of what you'd expect in the top twenty-five there. 
Yeah, and it's the same again for the, the medical type information. All the sites on this list, you know, Cleveland Clinic, Mayo Clinic, Hopkins Medicine, NHS.UK. You know, I've seen the, these appearing in searches. They've, their sites have been around a long while. They're, they're trusted sites. And the point that I was going to make when I looked at this data, and then I saw Lily has already touched on it anyway, <laughs> honest, I was going to talk about this, um, was about Google's stance on kind of misinformation or disinformation, actually. And, and that's been a big, big talking point, even outside of SEO and things like that over the last few years, right? With fake news and misinformation being rife across the internet, whether that's on social media pages, on search engine result pages, fake news websites, literally fake news websites. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it says here in the, in the write-up, uh, additionally, in how Google fights disinformation, Google states that we have designed our systems to prefer authority factors like recency or exact matches while a crisis is developing. So this especially, um, you know, covers things like coronavirus, COVID. And I was thinking the other day, actually, because I Googled something about COVID, just how custom that search result is now. Yeah. For COVID, yeah. it's loads of uh, it's loads of direct data sources pulled in from governments um it's loads of fact-checked questions it's it's authoritative news sites there's very you know there's very few blogspot sites in there. it's all data coming from the man is what you're telling me mark <laughs> yeah the trustworthy sources <laughs> yeah, yeah and i think this is actually um and this is one thing I'm, i'll be talking about at brighton seo in in april in terms of targeting positioning companies in in search which is that when we look at these biggest winners, we a lot of the time are dealing with the big sites that are ranking for the big queries. And I do, because I had mixed feelings about this to begin with. I was kind of like, cool, trusted, authoritative, authoritative sites are ranking. But then the other half of me was like, huh, the kind of small person is kicked to the curb here and it's just big company ranks, you know, kind of like reflecting the the you know, the offline world. We touched on it with search engines in a previous episode as well. We're talking about how because Google is so dominant, it's now so difficult for new search engines to establish any kind of authority and any kind of foothold in that market. I think we're finding this with a lot of other, you know, general subjects and topics and, and things like that. You need to be an authoritative and powerful site to have an impact at all, really. And it's very difficult to come out of nowhere and suddenly be an authority on a medical issue or something like that i think what i eventually came to and i don't think my brain's done cooking this <laughs> is that it does kind of make sense from a user point of view to have these big sites ranking for these big queries because you know with big queries becomes big responsibility <laughs> i think that's the quote something like that <laughs> and, uncle ben would be proud <laughs> and i i do think that makes sense rather than having you know someone's small website suddenly ranking for this like 50,000 searches a month but so basically because it's these sites that are are ranking for these that's why we always see them in these top winners and top losers because that's where the the current's changing it doesn't mean that it's necessarily any harder to get your site's traffic it i think it just means it it, it adds to the fact that you need to start with the spokes in this hub and spoke approach and you need to earn your way to, you know, cause you can become one of these sites. Yeah, absolutely. But you need to start with the smaller queries, the, the, the more niche queries 
And again, you don't we, dive straight in the deep end, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I just think it makes strategic sense. You know, still some companies come who are fairly, you know, they're fairly new, a couple of years, and they're like, we want to rank for these terms and they're huge terms. And I'm, you just, I'm, I'm sure we've all seen that from clients, very ambitious clients over the years. Yeah. And you just know it's not going to happen and you have to try and explain to them why basically they don't deserve to rank for those terms <laughs> and why the other sites are legitimately better than them. I wouldn't walk away, I, I wouldn't walk away with the kind of hopeless, oh, it's just these sites that are going to control the web. There's still plenty of room. And I think Google has got better with all the long tail stuff at not serving these sites for all the long tail stuff. I have seen quite good diversity in different sites ranking for the more kind of specific search terms. Another winner we saw was Spotify. And I know we briefly touched on it in the Trend Watch previously as well. Spotify's had a very interesting year in terms of search. And Lilius specifically noticed here that they gained significant visibility between the April product review update and the July core update. So I thought that was particularly interesting to see, you know, they're gaining a lot of a lot of like first page rankings for big, big artists and their related keywords like Snoop Dogg, Beyonce, Kanye West, all this kind of stuff. You can imagine the search volume. The first search volume is in the hundreds of thousands for each of those artists alone. So yeah, Spotify seeing a significant growth there as well. If you'd like to go and check out your own visibility index for your sites or your client sites, you can go to systrix.com slash SWC. have a little bit of news to bring you jack oh okay about google analytics 4 oh that scary word yeah i saw your face light up at google analytics and then drop when i said four <laughs> pretty much yeah I, I will wholeheartedly admit that ga4 is not something i'm an expert on i think most people are in that boat um someone who is not in that boat is krista seiden uh who again joined us on the podcast previously with Seema Ahava, two people who I don't know anyone really else who knows more about analytics than, than these two. Uh, Chris decided obviously being involved at Google at, with um, essentially what is now GA4, as I understand, though really world-leading expert. And Krista released some news uh, in this last week about some new features in Google Analytics 4 around real-time reporting. So. For those that don't know, real-time reporting in GA4 allows you to look at the number of users that visited your site in the last 30 minutes, things like where they're coming from. So for example, if a campaign led them to your site from a Facebook ad, who your users and audience are, what content they're engaging with on your site, and what type of events they trigger and what conversions they complete. So we did have real-time reporting or we do have real-time yeah, yeah. reporting and did have do have <laughs> we do have it because we still use universal analytics i'm not changing yet in universal analytics is is slightly different now in ga4 so in universal analytics i'm sure you're all aware you've got kind of the separate sections where you can slice what's happening with ga4 in real time you have this kind of more interactive global map now and there's these kind of cards that help you navigate from one main viewpoint. So you stay kind of on that page on this global map and you can real time filter the information that you're getting. One other really cool feature that they've got in GA4, so there's that, which is kind of a facelift, is you can access 
a snapshot of a single anonymous user for a chronological timeline of what they've done, which I do think is seriously cool. So you can see where they landed, what pages they've looked at, what events they've, they've triggered and kind of scroll through and interact with that. Yeah, I think user journey has always been a thing where you look at Google Analytics and it seems straightforward at a glance. You're looking at, all, oh, people drop off on this page and people continued on to this page. And and that kind of seems like a fairly obvious flow, but you don't actually get that much usable data, user by user, person by person. And credit where credit is due, GA4 sounds a lot more intuitive and a lot more useful if you're looking at sort of smaller scale individual users and you really want to track, as you gave a perfect example there, Mark, the beginning of a campaign as the first people are just coming into your site and seeing, oh, we've just launched these ads on social media or Google ads or whatever it is. And you can see them landing on the page and where do they go after that? Are they converting? Are they going off and finding more information? Are they reading loads more of your content and then converting? Are they reading a particular content and then bouncing off? Really interesting stuff. And I think could be really, really useful in the future. Yeah, so that's um, one, I say, main use of this, this real-time view, these real-time analytics is, especially when you've got the type of campaigns that are maybe are going to be high traffic over a short time period. So you can't really wait a week and then see what people are doing and make a change. It's, okay, we're going to get probably 100,000 visitors over the next 48 hours. To make the most of them, you can be watching what's happening as people are arriving you know, especially if you're doing things like A-B tests, work out what's actually working. Yeah, give you that ability to test and optimize on the fly, right? Yeah, and and I mean, analytics generally, um, when I talk to clients about it, I, I tell them analytics generally tells you the what and, and not the why. So it by its nature, it's a quantitative data set. So we know people are dropping off at this page but that in it in itself isn't enough to, to action it, but it gives you then that's the, the, the framework for, okay, well, we need to test this. Why are people dropping off at this stage and you can move to your more qualitative testing. But I think, yeah, having this kind of magnifying glass on individual users is going to be really helpful because before you move to that testing stage, having all that information is going to make everything a lot, lot easier. So Another reason why, if you are a little bit cautious, you know, and I kind of joked about it earlier because <laughs> I know a lot of people working in SEO just think that GA4 is not ready for, for prime time. And like us, you know, what we're doing in fairness in a lot of cases is running it in parallel because I think we are going to get to the stage when really we need to be using GA4. So I'd rather be. Yeah, I, th I think that's pretty much what most people recommend at the moment, at least if you can run them in parallel because... We're going to switch over eventually, so you may as well kind of get the ball rolling and, and make sure your team are at least up to scratch on that and making sure that you're aware that it's going to happen at some point. And, and let clients know about it as well. I think Google's actually changed their advice now that they, they're not saying run it in parallel anymore. They're just saying, just go with it. Which... I mean, of course they are. Sure. <laughs> so... <laughs> Buy our new thing, says yeah. company. Like, great, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and back in real world... <laughs> Yeah, so not quite ready for, for me yet, to be honest, for prime time. But these things, I think, are moving us in the right direction. And we have some Google Ads news to finish on. Hooray, some PPC stuff. Some PPC stuff and not even Rob here to talk about oh. it. We'll have to get him on, though, because I, I know he has collated a whole mass of stuff that he wants to talk slash rant about. 
<laughs> we did we did briefly touch on with Rob uh, with this update we're about to talk about, and he was his usual self, which is uh, always good to hear from Rob. <laughs> he was pretty chill about it, but he, he was, was pretty chill. He was pleased. He was pleased. He was very about pleased. It, yeah, yeah. So if, they're, they're finally fixing the broken thing. I think is something I hear from <laughs> Rob on a weekly basis. Yeah. So he he was pleased, which which I think for like someone that isn't Rob, they would be like ecstatic. But he really plays it cool. <laughs> he plays it cool. So this is that Google Ads has now introduced a new experiments page. So before, if you've had to create experiments in Google ads. It was a little bit of a pain. I was talking to Luke again in the studio about this because I said to him, have you seen this? He said, and his first answer was, oh no, that's really good because yeah, you have to do all that draft. You have thing. to draft and then save it and then change it over to a different thing. And then you couldn't use that draft after you'd used it once. So you had to start from scratch again. It was a whole process. Yeah. Oh God. So basically you can now create experiments in Google ads in a single step instead of making drafts, which is really cool. The other thing they've changed is you can monitor all tests now on the experiment page, which is great because you can just see how are my experiments doing? <laughs> you know, that's kind of nice thing to be able to do. Yeah, that seems like a you would have had that from the start kind of thing, right? But they've definitely yeah, got some yeah. user feedback. Yeah, yeah, clearly. <laughs> and there is a um, what they're describing as a new syncing experience. <laughs> <laughs> that's such tech talk, isn't it? Oh, my God. Which basically means rather than kind of manually copying over the changes um, that your experiment uh, made that, that have proved successful, Google Ads can now automatically sync them from the experiment to the original campaign that they have been tested on. That makes a whole lot of sense. That sounds like well, a big time-saving improvement, hopefully. I'm, I'm glad you're impressed because that is the new syncing experience. <laughs> I'm sold on this new syncing experience. <laughs> I don't know about you, Mark. So, yeah, um, Check it out if you run Google Ads. In it is really really helpful. Um, and yeah, I think in a few episodes' time, probably end of February, I think we will get Rob on and we will do a few deep dive episodes into PPC because a lot has a lot's been changed. The, the thing about Google Ads is any small thing changes in SEO, or anyone from Google says anything. If John Mueller tweets anything. There'll be an article about <laughs> yes. it and people will argue about it and discuss it and then it'll eventually be decided that 99% of the time it's not that important. Loads of stuff happens with Google Ads and how Google Ads takes money from people and charges and all this and nobody really talks about it. And it's not announced actually as much. I find that I hear more PPC news from Rob directly in our like weekly catch-ups whether that's on Zoom or here in the studio. And then they will announce like, oh, by the way, the pricing structure's changed. And Rob will be like, I think the pricing structure's changed, guys. I know it's there a couple of days ago. And then there will be a, you know, search engine journal article, whatever, finally catching up on the rest of it. Like, yeah, it's, it's really weird. It kind of flies under the radar in a lot of ways. I think SEO is such a kind of big topic, like you said, anybody at any opportunity wants to talk about, wants to write an article about. But EBC's maybe not as sexy to some people. I don't know, because... You know, Google's doing their, I think it's like, last time I looked, I think it was 120 billion and 80, 90% of that was from ads platforms. Yeah. So it's billions being spent. So I guess I'm just a little bit surprised because even, um, even with schema changes, right? So you've got people like Sitebulb who have got change monitoring set up on Google documentation for schema. So if they change one word 
on their schema documentation, everyone's going to know about it in a newsletter. <laughs> but Google Ads has been tweaking fundamentally how things are working, which is changing what they're charging people. And maybe I'm listening to the wrong people, but I rarely hear about it. Yeah, if you have any recommendations for people to follow, newsletters, people we want to get on the show in the future to discuss PPC outside of Rob, please do let us know, listeners, because, yeah, we'd, we'd love to talk about more PPC stuff. And that's it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week on Monday, the 7th of February, with our first guest of Season 2, Tom Critchlow. Yeah, I, I won't be back. Wait, what? You know this. Mark's not coming back. Oh, God, I've got to do a solo show, ladies and gentlemen. You do. It's only one week. We'll be fine. We'll, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Tom worry. is brilliant. Tom's great. We'll be talking about Tom's SEO MBA course, SEO career progression, and plenty of other things. Tom is a really interesting guy, so I'm really looking forward to talking to him next week. But until then, I hope you have a lovely week, and thanks for listening.